The business super conference that all of you need to be at is finally here. Tickets have dropped to the original VFriends holders but are now available to buy. Uh, I have a link in my bio for the people that have never bought an NFT but want to come because they've heard that Busta Rhymes and Deepak Chopra and Steve Bartlett and all these people are speaking. Go to vcon.co, C-O, drop the M, to see what's going on there. But the link in my bio has a site that we have on VCon that will let you fill it out and will help you get a ticket to our super conference, May 18th to the 20th in Indianapolis, Indiana. The conference is bananas. The 50 speakers I'm about to announce, bananas. This is the huge super business, pop culture and innovation conference. I want everybody in my community to be there. So link in bio or click here because the team is using this in all sorts of formats to make sure you get to Indy in May for the super business conference of the year. I hope to see all of you there. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. The reason I'm a good businessman is because I play outside the framework. You got your perspective. I just want to be happy. Don't you want to be happy? What can I answer for you, my man? Okay. Do we have a, is there a limit? Yeah, there's a limit of time, right? I mean, All I'm right, going to so try to get to everybody. But. So look, I mean, everyone's going to kind of hear about business issues, but art and furniture has been sold through galleries. Yes. Most of the time. Well, I'm starting to change that trend, but, but not just art in the sense that it's like, you know, thousand dollar art. No, we're talking about things that are escalating into the hundreds of thousands. Okay. And so now I'm trying to create, okay, so I've been successful in doing that. We built a business from zero to now just a little over two million this year, which is awesome. It's amazing. But through traditional PR, I'm finding, dude, I've been in Architectural Digest, Fast Company, all the, all the magazines, but that's starting to reach its limit, right? So how do I increase sales for the, t- for the studio to keep growing with Without PR? Yeah, without PR, through I mean, social media. Yeah. So we, so once I got onto Gary Vee, I started, you know, we started to really go heavy on social, started creating more content, now actually have a full-time video team that's in-house that's doing, so we're creating a show, and also doing a podcast, basically doing everything that you've been saying to do. The tricky part is to get these consumers, these people that are uh, buying high-end, you know, spending 60, 70, 80, $100,000 to buy directly from us, uh, and to grow that because a lot of people are using interior designers or architects sure. so I'm reaching out to them they know us really well but how do I go even further like how do I take a 2 million to 10 million to, you know and so that's where and I feel like it's a personal brand building I mean it's my name 100% so I just have to build that part and then see the sales I've been producing content every day for 13 years right like only in the last 18 months has it gotten to the critical enough scale where like it feels like it's something different than what you're up to right now? Meaning like I had a base, you've known me for a while, like I had a base but it's nowhere close to what it is now. I mean, when you're building a brand, guys, Nike almost went out of business. Yeah, yeah, back away. Like really close. went to court. (laughs) So like, I don't think, you know, I think the, you know, Fernando, it's super simple, man. Like, Like, you haven't even started. Like the answer is what you're doing. Like right. content, acting like a media company and running ads and creating content and like it's all the same shit. Like when TV's a good deal, and not, like Procter & Gamble, like you buy Tide and like Crest toothpaste because television was a good deal. 
and the companies that figured it out and could afford it and da 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 da. Like, like Schlitz beer and Schaefer beer and Ballantine's ale in the 30s. Like your great great grandfather drank that shit because radio was a good deal in 1937. Like the good deal right now, in my opinion, is the seven platforms that live on this. When you take it to the step two of actually becoming the media company and not just an advertiser, right? And that's where like a CPG ice cream can do both. Whereas like hemp and cannabis can't. And you know, we're all stretched thin. You know, like, you know, think about your family business with the catering. Like when I was 28 years old, like all these kids are like, it hasn't happened yet. I'm like, I was packing boxes of wine and shipping it in styrofoam in the basement of a liquor store in Springfield, New Jersey when I was 29 years old. Like, so you're gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna struggle to get tears out of me that you're four months into your t-shirt brand and you're not supreme yet. Uh, I think you just have to put in the work for a significant amount of time because you're absolutely right. My, my entire thesis is that Architectural Digest and Fast Company in 1996, those two articles would have changed your whole career. That well, just doesn't. 2014 it did. Great. So now it's not anymore. So I plateaued with, with PR. So I'm sort of, I came here actually to try to hire VaynerMedia to help us in the next stage. And, and, good, and good news, because Nick knows this, like we're, da- I mean, I'm spending all my time trying to figure out how to help, like create a business to service SMB. You know, we're, we don't know how to take money here from Vayner unless you're paying us like two million bucks. You know, like we, we have things, but we're not good at taking it, which is bad for a business. So I'm like spending a lot of time on it. But, the reason we haven't done it yet and the reason I'm hesitant and why this took five years to like in my head before I did it is I'm not gonna take somebody's money unless we can deliver. And at a small base, it's just better to do a lot of things internally. Like I th- the more I realize, I'm like, oh, it's gonna end up being consultant or this really works. Like you pay 10,000 bucks and watching all the people that email Nick and then he tells me or I see in the, in the Facebook group like there's been some crazy shit. What's your what's what's been like? You're keeping closer to it. Got, the guy Joe Mullins coming in November. Just he was in the first group. Okay, and and you you confirmed kind of his personal brand. I think he invested, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in his personal brand in year one. And he's the number one player in the space, and you know he's he couldn't be happier with the time he spent here. Yeah, so like I think I think the biggest thing I can tell you is that um, is that you have to make as much content as possible. And you have to spend as much, like, this is where people get crazy. This is a very interesting, subtle insight. People take pride in organic reach because they think there's something special about getting good organic reach and social when the ads are underpriced. So, like, I, I literally would, like, like, if you didn't have an Insta- I know you do because I, I know some of our limited interactions, but, like, if you didn't have an Instagram account, right, and something as great as, like, taco and food and Jersey Shore, like, I'd be like, you don't even need to build one. Just run ads on Instagram. <laughs> you probably, you know, it's funny. Let me rephrase. I do think having a nice little base for like, I now think people's Instagram account is PR. I feel like people search Google to find your Instagram account to get a fee read on what you're about. So I think organic content's value now is almost more like brand and PR. Like it's a cost, like you should spend money on it just to have like a foundation. But, mo- but that should be 20% of your energy and money and 80% should be figuring out the ads that drive your business. Sotheby's and Christie's sell million dollar items on Instagram. That's why I believe, yeah, first is doing it. So, so selling 60 and $80,000 items on Instagram is a cakewalk. It's about running ads against people that live in Malibu. Yeah, but GE yeah. that um, converting a customer at a 60 to $100,000 price point 
It, it's tough to do. Yeah, yes. Right? But 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 not as tough as people think. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I think so. You know, I'll explain. Give me one second because I want to get this off because I don't want to forget it. I think what we're about to roll out with volume method is really going to be a big factor. Here's what I mean by that. I think it's easier to close a sixty thousand dollar person if you make four hundred ninety seven pieces of content and run micro media. Because we're, the reason it's hard to close somebody for 60K is people go broad because they want to like lower their CPM or like reach as many people. The reality is to hit somebody 60K, you almost have to like do a one minute rant like specifically like to 15 type people in theory that are likely to buy it and overpay for 5,000 people to see it that don't have any interest to get to the 15. I do. I do it at Target Upper East Side where I know most of the pieces go, or Tribeca. And, and then it's Upper East Side African-American male who works in tech. Then it's Upper East Side third generation trust fund baby and you're making a reference to a Biza. And add a layer with a partner, a Philippe Klein, a watch company that's valuable, right? Add that contextual relevance. The, the place where I've seen that, you know, it's funny, Nick, that one's brought me a lot of like, non-results because so many people are following things from an aspirational standpoint. But buying first party data of purchase intent or things of that nature or creating look-alike audiences on whatever data you already have, you know, it's been interesting. I, I often say that but I'm starting to peel back a little bit. You're already saying that? Yeah, because if you're a fan of Philippe, yeah, yeah. right, like you think you're high, but so many people are aspirational and they're following high net worth mm-hmm. brands but they're not in consideration set so you're wasting media dollars because you're not really getting to something. This is, where like, this is where like really knowing your craft though, like I know a lot about wine. So somebody may say, oh do Opus One, but I know I can do like Romani Conti Latash. Like you know enough about like comp artists or uh, you know, so there's, there's like if you can get nerdy about what you do, uh, that's always a, a, just a very important insight. But I think it's content too. I, I think one of the, but, but, but it's interesting about content. I think a lot of people that try to replicate my model aren't able to get away from the business goal. So like, if you're doing content, you need to act as if you're Architectural Digest, not Pablo Picasso, and people struggle with that. Like, it's the intent behind the content. Are you actually trying to replace the B2B magazine or the B2C magazine or program, or are you subtly still doing some version of a commercial wrapped up in content. And I think that's, for example, you know, uh, we're about to start a, a, a wine project. So my lovely partner in crime is here. I would want us to act more like Wine Spectator than QVC. It's why Wine Library TV worked. You know, when I, I was a store owner, but I really took, and I thought I was gonna do QVC. Like, I, I tell people a lot, like the origin story is like, I'm about to do QVC, and as soon as the camera wa- went on, I'm like, oh fuck. I need to do like lifestyles of the rich and famous or something. Like I, I just knew that I couldn't do QB, like it wasn't gonna work. Like if I was just selling. Like I just, I knew that there would, you know, I knew my team would pick four wines a show. I knew inevitably I would like some of them. But what was really interesting, it got so clean. By episode 50, all the way to 1,000, I never had a wine on the show that we had more than five cases of. I, I completely went content. Because I didn't want, it was a lose-lose situation. If I had 200 cases of it, first of all, I was so committed to show, I could pan it and then it would be very difficult to sell. Or 
I would say it's awesome. Some kid on the wine team quits and just tells everybody, oh, he's just peddling wine. We had 200 cases of that Zinfandel. I didn't want to create the exposure. So um, when you, as you get into content, wherever you are on it, I think the, peop, the part that people struggle with is the intent. When I make content, I am literally in Wikipedia nonprofit mode. You guys know. Like I'm very comfortable making a piece of content of like, buy my sneaker. Like I'm very comfortable to sell when I want to sell, but I'm not disguising selling when I'm putting out content. I saw his sneakers. <laughs> you know, super important. You reviewing another artist's gallery in a video and giving them love because you genuinely like their work is probably the most significant thing you can do for your business. That's a brain fuck. <laughs> but then what you're doing is you're becoming the artist whisperer to a community not selling your shit. Yeah, I don't want to sell. I mean, you can't sell. You can't sell $100,000. So you need to build trust. Right. You know? I also would like to create less friction in the purchase, right? Because everything's custom. The piece, somebody sees a work of art, they're like, okay, I want that, but it's in some other iteration. Well, so well. They have to email, they have to, they have to set up with a team. Yeah, but, and? Like, what are you gonna replace that with? Augmented reality? Like, like there's inherent friction in one-off. I actually yeah. think you lean into your friction. So I would go the other way. I'd, inherently, if I was making one Anything online, you just have, you have to reach out to us? Yeah, like I would have Breck, like if it's 100,000, you should have like a coffee with everybody. That should be yeah, and I do. I mean, good. Like, do but it should, but all the digital stuff should be leading to the coffee. Yeah, totally. See where I'm going? Yeah. Instead of like making it feel, you know where everybody goes with this shit. Oh, we'll fucking do it online. Fuck that shit. Nobody wants, nobody who's, first of all, nobody who's buying a $10 item. How are, first di- how are these, some of these websites doing very well? Like First Dibs is doing very well. They're selling a lot of shit online at a, Significant price. How much? How much are the prices? All the way up into the millions. Are they a pl- are they a platform? Yeah. So they're taking consignment. Yeah, basically. Mar- so so I put mar- products on there. Yeah. People come from all over the globe. They buy and then. Because they have the attention. Same reason eBay. Like they spent the money. Whatever they. I don't know the platform. Yeah, oh yeah. Whatever they did to build their brand or customer acquisition or whatever, they become they became a marketplace, yeah. and everybody goes there. So they're doing really well because first of all. They're doing really well because marketplaces, when they hit, they hit it really. Yeah, we're talking about going into the future, trying to sell stuff. Like nobody's really going to want to come to a retail store. Or I don't believe that. Gallery. I really don't. Really? I think that nobody's going to want to come there if there if there isn't added value to go there versus what they think they can do online. Hmm. Right. So like, I think people want to do more shit than ever because they want to show people they're doing shit. People go to wineries and hike and yoga retreat and fucking, why do you think all these weird museums are popping up? People just want to take the photo in the blue fucking balls or in the sprinkles or like we are in full PR mode of ourselves and we are now living our lives for the Instagram photo. People are literally planning their Saturdays predicated on the picture that they can put on. on. So I actually think if you made your gallery like, to, if I had a gallery, I would just make one humongous thing That's that everybody cool. wanted to just come and take a picture of. Build a tiny house That's it. Like, put people in jail for like 24 hours. Like, they come into your gallery and they get locked up. <laughs> That's, that would work. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, just, that's how, you see where I'm going? People will use online because it's lack of friction for something that they don't value doing physically. But if you can give them something of value physically, they'll do that. 
We'll keep bouncing. Go ahead. Um, so essentially, Real quick, I apologize. I, I think your website should literally be a complete and utter gateway drug to have a meal with you. You'll sell a lot of $100,000 things. Just a better use of your time. We got so good at the music production side, uh, especially my partner, that uh, when we start putting out our sounds and free stuff, drum kits and stuff, like all the, like, literally it's a sound that sounds like this. And then, and then they put it together with like something that's like a yep. type. Yep. You know? So essentially we sold all the different sound kits and stuff and we took advantage of Facebook groups. Because everybody in Facebook groups is spamming, check out my SoundCloud. It's like the weirdest like. Yeah, I know channel. it is. So, but for us, we're like, hey, how about you come get some free resources? Uh, so we grew really, really fast, collected emails. Nobody even knew what marketing was in our space. Um, but what happened was is that we got to like kind of like that two million year point and we're profiting you know 75k a month now at this point because we really fixed our profits too. Now I'm trying to figure out what are some levers and I have some ideas for it, but what are some levers to get to like you know the eight figure point or to go at least past this point because we've been here for you know a, a bit. So what are you selling kits still? Yeah, so sound kits. We've added on courses and stuff and we've tried to evolve the product. So the product's gone from 47 to. Uh, now the next one we're going to try at 497 as high as we've ever tried. It seems like the, the spike in price has always been uh, something that's raised our revenue. Just keep raising prices and making the product better. Uh, we've had this also this problem to our evergreen sales. We'll sit at a little bit under 100K, but then we'll launch. We'll do like quarter million in four days. So, and then, you know, we do it, we sell a certain amount of packs, and then we take So, I think, you know, the model that you're running is kind of like that classic internet marketing model, mm-hmm. you know, that like kind of, really got into fame in the years of like 2000, 2015, I think the thing that you can layer is more content, more brand, that's how you grow. You're in sales. And what you need to layer it with is brand. Like, you know, so like, I've watched so many people find the business model where they've got a price, they've got launches, they've got that whole model down, it's funnel, it's landing page optimization, it's CAC, it's LTV, it's all that shit. It's amazing, it's fine, it's really good. It, you know, gets people to a certain level but then they're in the sales business, not in the brand business. Like, a lot of people that fall in love with that model don't think about their logo, don't think about their content, don't think about reinvesting in swag, don't think about putting out a pod, you know? They don't do brand. Like, this is why I'm always like, watch what I do, watch what I do, watch what I do. Like, and, and it's because so much of what I do is predicated on brand, because that is the ultimate leverage. So I think, putting out content, like recording sessions, like using your, you know, your growth in the space and building relationships. I mean, you're in the best place on earth. Atlanta's the best place. Like, so just tapping into younger artists and doing collaborations and then running ads against their fan base. And there's a lot you could be doing, but a lot of it needs to now be less about math and more about art. Gotcha, so what I was kind of thinking on that, because I have been hearing you talk about yep. that and trying to yep. go into that space. So I was thinking about letting the team still do launches once every three months so we have that revenue and then me and my partner are good at building out the new team to like go forward with that. Is it good to still keep that alive? I like that and, and honestly, like my biggest concern is that you're making 75,000 a month. Like you need to be pouring that back into business. Like I'm desperately curious what's happening with that 75K. Yeah. Uh, because if it's going into your pockets to like, like into your lifestyle, that's bad. And, and that's what every kid does. That's why people don't business. They'll build businesses. That's why people have moments. And uh, so I'm having a, a moment that kind of reminds me of what you talked about with AdWords being, you know, five cents a click and stuff yep. like that. Right now, Facebook Messenger for us mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's getting 87% open rate, and I have mm-hmm. a list of 30,000. I'm like, okay, I've been doing marketing for four years. So I've never seen it. And That's right. And it's one click at their email too. That's it's right. Not even, it's insanely good. Yeah, and I'm trying to. Is it something that? So I'm a little worried about Facebook building this huge list and then like, oh, we don't do that anymore. 
Well, that's life. Is it still good to like go ham at it and just? You always squeeze the fuck out of an orange that's full. Gotcha. That's what I was thinking. And then when it's empty, you go find a pear. Gotcha. Which is harder to squeeze, and then you hope a grapefruit comes along. Right? Yeah. Like that's oh. like email used to be ninety percent open rates for me. It's not anymore. Google AdWords were five cents a click. It's not anymore. Like. I'm on emotion, like it's amazing. It's really, I'm really glad you asked the question. People do this all the time. Like people get so emotional about it going away, they don't take advantage of it when it's there. Crush MySpace when it's MySpace. And then make sure you're good on Twitter and Facebook when that's happening. Like Instagram, do you know how many people are gonna be vanished when Instagram starts to slide? Everybody's pot committed. The whole fucking world right now is pot committed. I'm like sitting and laughing. I'm like, oh man. I like want it to secretly like disappear. Cause I think people would die. Like people would be like, what? And I'd be like, cool, we, thank God we have all these other things. So what we try to do, I mean, your opinion on this, we try to move it around. Yeah. Is, is that good to do? Like, it is. But when you have something like Facebook Messenger and kudos to you for like going in on that, squeeze the shit out of it. But you can also extract those people's cells and emails That's and yeah. It's one quick, it's like, I've never seen anything like it. It's really good. Yeah. And for us, like you can send audio. So like, hey, me talking real quick, or you need sound. You need to invest in your business. Super hard. You need to invest in your business. You, you, the profit margin you're making needs to go back into the business on things that don't bring you short-term ROI. That's how you build something from two to 10. Gotcha. That, that, right? I took Wine Library from three to 60, and I was paying myself $76,000 a year. 67, 82, you know? Discipline. Let me keep, let me keep bouncing. Do you have a question? Uh, no, I have a present. Well, that's very sweet. <laughs> I like it already. Can I open it in front of you? How was your trip? It was good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Why don't we, I want to keep it going. What, what can sure. I answer for you? Uh, so, in our uh, health <laughs> I love that. Oh, this is good. I will absolutely wear this. Oh, Thank you, my friend. I will wear this this Sunday. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, he saw you at the Browns game. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's awesome. In here, oh, in here. Thank you. Go ahead. Yes. Give me one second. 2017, we ended up around just under five million. Thank you, brother. All direct consumer. Yep. Yep. And this year, we started off on a solid track to hit eight figures, and it just it just kind of died off. Why? That's what we're trying to figure out. Like all of our website conversions, like what got cut in half. The conversions got cut in half. Yeah, we were we're averaging ten at add to cart and at six point two five at checkout. Did you? And did you change the media you were spending? Were you getting less qualified leads? See, we were spending a lot on Facebook at the time, and we were spending one hundred fifty two hundred k a month on Facebook, um, plus a little a lot less on Google and everything, but. and we cut a lot of that Facebook back. Why? Because so, the direct ROI was under like one to 1. 
you cut it back before the 6.25 or that's what made you cut it back? Uh, no, we cut it back after that. So we're getting mm-hmm. good conversions on the website, but the ROAS that we're spending from our Facebook ads. Yep. Like when we How running, many different pieces of content were you running? We were running, well see that was the thing too, is we were running probably 20 different ad sets, multiple, we had 60 SKUs as I mentioned. Um, and so we're, our ads. Just to get everybody on the same page, for this white sneaker, for his sneaker, we had certain ads that were costing us $62 to get somebody to buy and some that were 12. The thing that nobody has really talked enough about, and this is really where I'm going, is the sheer amount of content one, like here's what everybody does. It worked, so I'm yelling for five fucking years because it's so good that you could be a dope and it works, right? Like you didn't know what the fuck you were doing day one and right. Facebook was returning and you're like, oh shit, Gary's probably right, right? Like that's what was happening. Yeah. Then it gets more competitive, shit changes. What everybody does then is they take their 20 pieces of content, it gets 20 and they got 400 cohorts and what have you and they're like, oh fuck, Facebook's not as good anymore, let's stop, instead of making 800 more pieces of content. Facebook's unbelievable, Facebook can be better today than three years ago if you're better at content and copy and matching it against your targeting. Gotcha. Got it? Right, okay. Uh, That's it. That's the answer to your question. And then there's Instagram swipe ups and then there's Messenger. Right, like, and we've been and, working on Messenger, like doing stuff mm-hmm. through it and it's, we've both, mostly been using it to send people to when my wife does a live with education yep. content and everything else. And all of a sudden, I happened to click on something. It was like, we had like, I don't know, 300 one-star things. Like, why are you sending me messages through Messenger? And like, we had a warning from Facebook and all that stuff. And we have like, not as many of you, but probably like 17,000 or whatever messenger ones. And we'd send out like a messenger push and we were getting 87 to 90% opens and well, click throughs. Well just real quick, I've never actually sold them anything on Messenger. Please we weren't, we were sending them to a free live training and stuff on uh, whatever, how to you know, keep your teeth healthy or something. There, there was so many ways that people got into Messenger that they didn't know. That's right, why they were ups- That's like, what they were upset about. I don't right. know the details. Yeah, but no, I mean, but is there a way to kind of like clean it up? Yeah. You could send one message to get them to unsubscribe if they don't want it. Gotcha. Go up front. So yeah. Like, hey. You're better off having four thousand people who give a fuck. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And okay. And then the other one, more around culture. Yes. So as we're going, we're right around thirty-five to forty people on our team. And yes. Since we make everything, ship yep. it, do all yep, of course. What, I mean, we, I see some people, you know, we have, you know, on our team, I guess, what's the best way to create a good culture where people are, like, watching your team and when I came up before, I mean, just seeing how your team interacts and stuff. Um, I think as, as the smallest 35 people, you should have dinner with every single employee okay. and ask them what makes them happy in life. Okay. Because you have employees, of those 35, you have some people that want to make two bucks more an hour. Sure. You want somebody who wants more Saturdays off. You want somebody who wants to be a manager now. You want somebody, you have somebody who was happy yesterday but they fell in love and now they need more time at home. More money, title, work-life balance. Uh, Rick, you'll, you'll find out if you interview 35 people that there's something weird going on with Rick and you may have to fire Rick. You know, and so um, when I hear about companies that have under 50 employees, I can't push them enough 
to do you know the one-on-one hand-to-hand combat. That's the answer. Yeah, we started doing like six months ago, like a monthly vision and meeting with the team. It's good. We call out, like, hey, you know. It's good. And so, but yeah, like, but all, one-on-one. the one on one is where you can start building the. On the third meeting, on the one on one, Susan will actually tell you about Rick because in the first one, they won't. Right. Yeah. You have to build a relationship. What's the cadence of the meeting? The smaller the company, the more often you can do it, you know? Mine are like, I text Theo at 11.30 at night when I'm flying back from something and be like, yo, and we're like, <laughs> like I'm not kidding, he'll tell you. Like, like whenever I can get to it, kind of like I'm trying so hard, you know? Cool. Genuinely don't want to start. Um, yep. But I'm at a different point. Yep. Yep. Um, just taking over. And in fact, some of the content I was, I was really resonating with from you specifically was not just stepping in and taking control of any one thing. So I'm in the moment I was talking to Nick of just kind of freezing everything to kind of taste. And taste. Yep. Um, Which, how many employees are there? Well, it ranges because we have a lot of front of house people. Like yep. Uh, anywhere between 30 and 40. Which you can't imagine how much equity that builds with the 30 to 40. And you've been around the whole time just like I was, but it's still going to be amazing. Yeah. So, and to give you some context, I pay myself as little as possible. Yep. Uh, I flip on the weekends. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but what do you flip? Everything in a, um, like literally, liter- literally um, that cu- garage, like yard, like that stuff. stuff. Yeah. Um, what's the best? I'm sorry, I'm so obsessed. What's the best thing? In Oregon right now. I know. What's the best? What's the best thing you found this last six months? I found an antique uh, dining set. And how much did you buy it for? I bought it for just under two hundred. And what you sell for? A little over eight. I love that shit so much, man. I, I like live on this shit. Keep going. Pretty cool. Um, anyway, so something that I deal with, we were hit super hard during the, the crash, 2007, 2008. Okay. Um, we lost over 50% of our business. Yep. And, you know, my mom was freaking out. Uh, yeah. Space. Yep. Um, she was getting divorced at the time, actually. Yep. Um, so how the, how the business is now structured with you taking over is everything. It's the entire conversation. Because the reality is, you need, like, do you have the full autonomy or don't you? Do you to a point, but blank. Like, these were the things that really helped it get better and better and better for me and my dad. At first it was gray as shit. And then as things would spur up, especially when I had momentum, you, you don't even understand how it actually plays out yet because you'll taste it. When you start doing a couple things and it starts working, and then she tries to stop it, it's even worse than not starting at all. Like once I started tasting momentum, anything that my dad would try to bring to defense felt completely inappropriate because I'm like, it's fucking working. And look, I don't want to paint a false picture. My dad gave me outrageous levels of autonomy in hindsight and really, unfortunately, the only issues we really had were some just hot button issues that he was, like there was four things he was religious about and I was religious the other way. I mean, the one I just keep laughing, like he just did not want to sell product to our employees at cost. That was to him like, I don't know, he just, he couldn't get over it. And I was like, so into it. Like I wanted to sell at a loss to our employees. You know, like um, it was a real battle. And never, actually probably, the reason I probably bring it up, it's the one battle that never really got settled in our careers. So I think, I think a couple things you need to think about. One, 
having empathy for the fact that your mom spent so many years building this business, which I can even sense. I think you need to map what are her, so let me take a step back. Are this taking over phase, is she looking for you to make all the decisions? Yeah, that's her goal. Um, she, she really enjoys working with the, the couples, brides and grooms. Yes. Um, because she just likes that touch point. Yes. Um, but she, Everything else. Yeah, and you know, you talk about getting punched in the mouth. And yeah. She's been punched in the mouth so yep. many times, it's not even funny. So it kind of weighs heavy on her. Um, but coming from that, it's hard to spend money especially on such a personal heavy business for her because it's, you know, there's things that have to happen in her mind before she is okay with something. And you're saying um, spending money as in like investing in the business, whether in advertising or something like that? Or overhiring, you know, I know you talked about this with, uh, I think your dad on a podcast recently, overhiring, you were overstaffed in some times of, of the business. So. Does your mom have a sense of how much she wants or you guys like to me what allowed me to overhire was me and my dad had a good sense of what we both wanted to make in salary and then basically after that I could make no money at all. So that's why I overhired. Similar to what I'm doing here. Yeah. You know like I'm not looking for this to be the money I need to take home thus I'm pouring it in. So I think, I think the key that I'm trying to get into is what's real and what's ideology and emotion. What I was very good at in hindsight, I didn't even realize I was doing it as a kid, was I was eliminating subjectiveness and emotion because my dad like lived on emotional reactions and I got us over time to a lot of conversations that were, you know, after like crying and yelling, I got us into like, you know, it took me a while but I just remember these feelings even right now as I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, okay, how much money, like do not subject me, do not like opinion of the month, flavor of the month, it rained yesterday or we had a snow out day and now, we're, and now you're overreacting to the fact that we did zero yesterday instead of 80,000 and now you're not letting me run a New York Times ad. Take me to the macro. How much money do you need to make in salary? Cool, now get out of my way. I will deliver on that and if I don't, then let's have a combo. Basically is this sentence that we got to that really allowed us to explode. It's great. And, it, and did it go well? Good. Great. Yeah, I, mean, I talk to my dad every day. Like we were like, well, like we, yeah. If I don't see her, it's usually right. right. We we were in, in the store, so I would talk to him all the time, and that was really what made it difficult. Yeah. Because again, like somebody would steal a bottle of Jack Daniels, and my dad would just emotionally explode, and it would like tear out the next three days. You know, like all the energy and angst was like we have to stop everything and figure out how not to get anybody to steal. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we're gonna focus on twenty eight dollars. And like, cool, I'll, give you, I'll do you a favor. We're probably getting $500 worth of stuff stolen a month and you want me to stop everything that's generating $4 million. That, that would literally be the kind of things. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Like there's many, many people that build businesses on, are completely predicated on emotion, ideology. Every fashion brand loses because they care too much about subjective emotion. Of course, B to B, sure. Um, and it's working, um, but then when I try to go into kind of the, the jabbing type of content, that's a little harder for her to understand. However, we've had those conversations, so, um, but yeah. Over communication, which it sounds like you're leaning into, and then, and then when something's either ideology or emotion, grounding it in something so practical 
and gives you the framework and then having the, the one thing that I did, you know, there's something I'm very passionate about right now which is that fake environments, that kids are taking money from parents and building businesses and nobody's acknowledging it. And it got me down this interesting path where I realized, oh shit, the kids of this generation are taking money from parents and don't think they need to pay them back. And the kids from our generation and definitely older than us, the game was your parents would help you but you had to pay them back. And something in that is just sticking with me that I haven't you know, fully got to something but it's kind of where I'm going right now which is like you say, I said to my dad, I'm like look, I'm willing to listen to everything you say if I'm unable to deliver on what I'm telling you I can deliver on if you give me this room. Like to me like there should be consequences if you're not good enough. And I think I'm seeing a lot of people want certain things from their parents in a family business but aren't willing to deal with the ramifications because there's so much audacity coming from kids going into businesses. It sounds like you're not that, which excites the shit out of me, which makes me want you to lean in, but don't get too crazy. So you, you know, like I, I in hindsight don't realize I was like fuck, you know, like I was delusional, but I like was so driven that I made it happen. But you know, I think that matters. Cool, dudes. Yeah. So um, I mean, I kind of already know the yep. answer to our problem. I know you do. So like, what maybe what subtlety underneath that might yeah, be a good exactly. That's like, let me give you a good example. You should have an intern who DMs influencers until the account gets blocked on 40 different accounts all day long, every day for life. Completely agree. And do that. Good. But like, but like, you heard the last part, you're gonna regret it, do it. Does that make sense? Like if you don't have at least one person at minimum wage who's just a scrappy kid, who, who, this kid fucking was, had a board on his head. No, but I mean, this is super important. This is what people understand. This, three years ago, good. Three years ago, you got paid how much by that fucking mattress or subway or whatever? It was 15 an hour and I was in like outfits. Right. Literally goofy outfits. But, but in him had the ability to go from zero to build $2 million revenue business. Tell me the truth, on a very serious note, on a true question. Do you have one person who fully spends 10 hours a day DMing until he's blocked or she's blocked on 13 accounts? There's probably one person that does that like four hours a day. Great. Every day. I, I real, how big is your business in revenue? You should have three full-time people at minimum wage doing it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the influencer version of you're gonna be upset that Facebook went away. Mm-hmm. What if they change the DM rules? Let oh, me rephrase. Yeah. What happens when they change the DM rules? Oh, I know. I mean, I, I've been thinking about that every day. I love the DM. We, you know, I basically, every single time somebody follows us, do the bot thing and send them coupons and like people give a positive response because I'll go back in and then engage so it doesn't just seem like mm-hmm. a bot. You know, and engage that conversation. How do they see that it if it goes to other? How do they see that? How do they see those? Also, too, what do you mean by People check their other. People check their other. But not everyone. You know? Cool. Yeah. Not everybody fucking does anything. Right. It's just math. Yeah, you're right. The whole game is scaling the unscalable. Everybody's looking in this tech world to find the scalable thing. The magic's in the unscalable part. We're building part of like our wine business that if you buy the club, there's a SMS sommelier service that you get, which is like literally like you go to a nice you know restaurant in Cleveland and take a picture and be like, what wine should I drink? And we're me included at first, me, we're gonna tell you. I'm gonna look at the fucking picture and be like, the late Harvest Zinfandel with your dessert would be great. Me, I scale the unscaled. Guys, every single piece of written word on Twitter and Instagram is me. If I've ever DM'd you, if I've ever replied, if I've ever hearted your, that's me. 
I scale the unscalable. I'm as busy as they get. So I'm definitely not crying tears for anybody else. Definitely, and then you know, from a, a B2B side, our main business has been selling the food to grocery stores, but now we're in this position where we have a semi-established brand name, semi-trusted name in our space. Right. And so CBD is obviously becoming a very uh-huh. big thing. Becoming a billion dollar industry very mm-hmm. rapidly. So now everybody's trying to figure out like, hey, how do I incorporate CBD into my product? I've, you know, popcorn or a lemonade. And so we've got into that position where everybody's asking us. And so yep. we've kind of reversed it because what we do is, you know, we source from Native American farmers. It's very good practices. The genetics are very good. So we've kind of built this little niche. Yeah. And now we're leveraging that niche on other brands. So we have some of the largest CPG companies in the world and salty snacks and ready to drink beverages saying, hey, we want to buy your CBD because it's a semi-trusted, you know, no name in the category. Love it. Put your logo on the back of the packaging. Try to build the, the intel of the hemp space. Couldn't believe in it more. Perfect. Yeah, and so, yeah, we're trying to get them to put a little excerpt like, hey, we trust in Evo Hemp. I would literally, literally pay for those brands to put my logo on it, let alone get paid. Right, that's what we've been saying. I mean, some of our investors are like, are they gonna pay you? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no, we wanna pay them. And, uh, Couldn't agree more. All we have to do is give them 10% discount too. It's, like the easiest it's absurd, you should spend all your time on energy on it. Yeah, yeah we were, to your point, we're trying to hire one to two full-time people to literally just focus on that. So you need, who owns the business? You need to make as little money as possible for the next 36 months. Good. We didn't start taking, we've been doing this for six years, we didn't start taking a salary until last year. So. Give it back. <laughs> Moments in time. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, like, I don't know your life, you may have debt, I don't know, mm-hmm. but fucking as little, by the way, everybody, that's the advice. Yeah. That's how you build a business. That's how you build a business. You gotta feed your business, not buy a new pair of Supremes. That's just what everybody does. And, you know, Supreme or a house or, you know, the great mistake of my career was buying an apartment I, six months before I could have invested in Uber and doubled down on Facebook. Like it made me less liquid. Lost a lot of money. Needed, you know, I was grown. I was, I was had a child. Like, like it's not terrible, but like, I'm starting to wonder if I'm going to recommend one day somebody people. I actually starting to get weird about ever owning a house. I think nobody should own. A, I'm starting to really believe that nobody should own a home until they're forty. Nope. I don't think anybody should spend money. If they have actual business ambition, if they want to build a business, for real, for real, not I want to create a business to give me money, to, then, you, then you should extract your money. Like, there's a lot of people that build businesses to get a wave runner, to buy an RV, to like, stay at the Ritz-Carlton, and that's fine. That's, you're not building a business, you're trying to create a, a, a machine to kick you cash. The problem with that is it always becomes vulnerable in the end and then dies and then that's why people go backwards. It's so funny, this kid grabbed me at the airport. Were you with me? Yeah, second time I'm telling that. I'm really fascinated by it. This kid runs up to me. He's like, Gary Vee, you know, like, I'm like, can't, oh, let's take a selfie. He's like, God, I really talk to you though. He goes, I, I'm so, this is like, it was really sweet. It was a nice, I, I just loved his vibe. I was like, this is so meant to be that we met. He's like, I ju- I'm from Ontario. I just came down here, I'm flying back home. I just got super ripped off. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I literally had all my bar mitzvah money and what my grandma left me and I lost it all. Somebody just scammed all of it from me. I'm like, how much? He's like, 60,000 bucks. So it's really interesting what happened in that moment. I looked him dead in the face and I said, that's what happens when you try to make a quick dollar. 
And he goes, how'd you know? And I'm like, you can't get scammed of $60,000 unless you're trying to make a quick buck. You just can't. You bought into some bullshit because you thought 60 was gonna be 600,000 in a week. And that always, always loses. That's the most extreme version, but where I get worried, and I don't know nothing about you, like where I get worried about kids making some money early on is the less extreme version is you're taking money off the table and you're just living that lifestyle. When for 50% of those kids, if they poured it back in, they could really live that lifestyle forever. If they just ate shit for six more years and built something for real, you know? Yes. Sorry, I just have one more question. So yep. I know you've said focus on the Instagram DMs and as you know, we can't uh, do the traditional advertising. That's marketing. right. Is that really the main way that we're I think podcast pre-roll. I think podcast pre-roll is really good. Mm-hmm. I would d- hit up, email every single podcast like that you think maps in any shape, you know, let's be creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm obsessed with influencers for you guys and then fully having your own podcast and your own vlog, being a media company. Yep, that's where you're at now. Just want to make sure. Yep. Um, yep. For us, LinkedIn video content has been a game changer. That's awesome. Yeah, because like, you know specifically the audience is grocery buyers. And look, you can. I think there's a way for you to build a personal brand about being an entrepreneur and what you've learned, and just letting that halo affect your business. There's plenty of people that want. To, I mean, what are you guys doing here, right? Like, you can halo it to your actual business. Absolutely. You know, you gotta be. You gotta be very clever. Like, but like, if you make it more about you and not the business, and like, no reference to even the business, people will Google. Mm-hmm. You put out a good video of like how you ate shit before six years, mm-hmm. and like it does well. People will find out who you are. They'll go to Google. They'll figure out what company you work for. So there's ways to run media as you know, as a you see where I'm going. Yeah, yeah no, and that's kind of what we're trying to focus Do. more on. Yeah. Is you know the hey, personal story between just speaking for free, and then you know we're slowly starting to get paid for it. So. I've, right. I've heard of the concept. <laughs> So just to piggyback off of building a business, I mean, I've been at it for 18 years now, so one taco at a time, opened up <laughs> like 2000, and then just kind of grew it from there, 13 shops in New Jersey. Uh, just took it on the road, went down to Florida, opened up down there, we got one down there. So cliche Jersey. Yeah, right. Jersey, <laughs> Florida. <laughs> Fucking makes me so happy. Now, right? So I uh, dipped my toes into franchising like 12 years ago. Okay. And then I was just kind of pulled back on that. I just want to kind of build the build the company that way. But now I'm looking at like the next 18 years, you know, yeah. and like how do I stay relevant? How do I scale growth? Um, what do you want to happen? I just want to take the brand to its potential. The game of it. The game of it. I love the I love the game of it. Like my life's I mean, pretty good. Yeah. Know? So then I then I think franchisee at this point, it, you being this grounded and mature is a good debate. It's a good debate. Right. If you want the game of it. And to me, when I hear the game of it after somebody who's, anybody who's been in business for 18 years is a successful entrepreneur. You know, like, like the amount of people who like make a lot and then lose it, like, and the, the, like being a, an entrepreneur, saying you're an entrepreneur versus being a successful one is completely predicated on life cycle to me, in one man's point of view. The game of it, gets into the vanity of it. I watch my dad do it. I watch, you know, with my fame or, or local fame or internet fame, it's been interesting to see my dad go from caring less about money and caring more about the game. And actually he was, oh, actually, that's actually not fair. My dad always cared more about the power and influence in his industry than 
like like being bigger than other stores. It was like like being the king of like big fish in a small pond was his passion. Um, you know, the ultimate game of it is becoming fucking McDonald's. Like you know, I struggle with just the customer though. You know, like I'm only as good as the last taco, and if I have a franchisee that's serving a bad product, like that's on me. Here's the good news. You're an operator. You don't have fucking 14 stores and not being an operator. You just change your agenda of operation to making sure that Nick Dio, when he opens up his shop in Little Egg Harbor or Delaware or whatever the fuck, fucking stays on point. Your operations change. It's like becoming a manager, right? You know this. You, you, had, you were the guy fucking serving the tacos in store one. You don't do that as much. You managed over time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you're just managing something else. Right. Like, like, you could have a six-month fucking course to like get through to, like, you could spend a year picking franchisees. Right. Franchisees fail because they want the money. Right. If it's, you, it's your baby and the way you built it, I already know that you, that I think franchisees is the right conversation for you. I'll tell you why. I just think you're gonna be outrageously thoughtful with your first 10. Another, how many employees do you have that have worked for you for longer than five years? Can I give you a huge piece of advice? Any way that you can put some of them on, you can't imagine what that can do for you. And I don't know what you've spent your money on, how successful you've been. Even if you can afford to put one guy or gal up, or you can go to characters like me, like successful Jersey businessmen and be like, yo, I'm making shit up. This is just being creative. I'm starting a sponsorship program for my franchise. If you actually came and we have had some lightweight interact on social and things of like that, like if you came to me and said, yo, weird, but you just seem like, you know, I've heard you're this kind of guy, would you go into business 50-50 with an employee of mine who has no money but has been with me for six years and you could own 50% but you have to put up all the money? I gotta tell you, I'd probably do one. It just feel, it, it's a version of, Business charity. We need to have new things. Like why do I just have business and then sometimes I just write big checks on things that I'm emotional about. How many people do you think that work for you right now could elevate and actually own their own version of a store? For real, for real. You need to do it, brother. That's what you should do. Because that shit will work and you know it. It's why I love all these little fuckers. It's context. You can show me somebody who's better on paper, but we know each other, right? You can show you somebody who's run 13 successful Burger Kings, but you know exactly who Susan is. And then you don't have to worry about the taco not being good. You both win. I know. (laughs) It'll work. The best thing that, the, the reason I'm a good businessman is because I play outside the framework. That's what being a bad student is so comping to being good entrepreneurs. It was easy for me to come up, I never thought of that concept, but it was so easy for me after I even listened to six seconds because I got enough context to ideate on an idea that is specific. That's why this stuff has been so fun for me because I can put out content that's you know evergreen all day long, but it's in the nuances. Like it's so, like, you know, like, I'm so, like, want you to dig into the thing, like, that's not scalable, you know? Because you're not going to be able to change the inherent nature of a one-off product. 
There's no scalability in a one-off. What's scalable is you can meet seven people a day for a coffee and if your content and web does that, you're probably, you know, you're gonna close two of the, you get them to dinner. If they come to the studio, we close. Well, guess what? You take them to dinner, you'll close even more. Is it relevant? You're like 20 years out, fast casual? I mean. Food is always gonna be okay. You know, QSR and fast casual, whatever the trend of the moment is, make a good fucking taco for the right price, you'll be all right. Forever. Especially, you know, yeah, I think that's right. And by the way, acai may, like a lot of people have said that about things that did stick, right? And other things didn't, right, to that point. But if you just look at the basic Latino, you know, influence on America, your, your grandkids are gonna be fine on that specific food. Tacos are gonna be just fine. And acai may become the new taco thing, or may not, but you're exactly right. Um, I got a question about, uh, so, you know, building a brand with content stuff. What do you think about using, like, so I've been doing this thing where I'm just, I'm hitting up, like, hundreds of YouTubers, getting them to use my stuff. I'm like, dude, just do whatever you do, just use our stuff while you're doing it, and we'll give it away for free. Of course, Uh, product placement. Yeah, so what do you think about using, like, all of them to then run ads from their Facebook pages to the audience to walk for Yes, but you should probably be upfront with them. Because you're one blog post away of like, you fucking used me. Okay. Like somebody did that with me that came to a 4Ds and that was not a good situation for that person. You know, if you're, remember intent? Yo, what's great about what, why that's worked? Yo dog, I'll give you something and you just use it. I want that exposure, you want the shit for free. Bet. Mm-hmm. I then run ads against fans and fans are hitting me, me up and saying, yo, did you, endo- like, what? Yeah. Then the person feels like you got them. I actually think they like it, though, because they get thousands of dollars pumped into their content. So now going, I don't disagree with you, so, but 50% of them will like it. So you say it up front and you're in a much better place. And do you think it's a, a vulnerability relying on, like, a mass content strategy of no. people doing it? No, I do not. No, I do not. I just it worked to- out for Nike. Okay, Because me and my partner, we're not in the music, like, doing that every single day now. We're at the point where we I got it. I got it. More, yep. You know? Of course. I think you're fine with that. Gotcha. I think you're fine with that. I think you're you're siphoning attention and then you become the thing. Thank you so much for listening to that entire episode. We want to remind you to give Gary feedback, so make sure you tweet him at Gary V. But if you're listening on Spotify, you can drop your comments, questions, and anything in between in the Spotify Q&A section down below. We'll see you in the next episode.